Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, June 18th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. All right, Ashley, one show down. How, how do you feel? I'm feeling pretty good. I, I hope everybody else is as on board with it as I am. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so far, so good. I'm here to, uh, you know, add more estrogen and less heterosexuality, I guess. Thank you. That is <laughs> long been my complaint with uh, doing the show uh, as myself because there's a little too much. But anyway. <laughs> all right. Let's see what's in the uh, in the news today, Ashley. So the big news from yesterday is that Deborah Messing is going to be coming to Broadway in a roundabout production. Yes. Yesterday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced the second show of their 2019-2020 Broadway season. Well, it's the second in terms of their announcement order, but it's likely the last show in terms of chronology. Following the Rose Tattoo with Marissa Tomei, which we talked about a few weeks ago, we now know that another beloved on-screen leading lady will be returning to Broadway with RTC this year as the star of Smash and... Does she do anything else? Has she ever been on anything else other than Smash? Oh yeah, Will and Grace. Deborah Messing will lead the Broadway premiere of Noah Hadle's play, Birthday Candles. The show will be the playwright's Broadway debut and will mark the directorial debut of Vivian Binish, who has been on Broadway twice but as a performer. The show is currently scheduled to run from April 2nd through June 21st at the American Airlines Theater, and Messing will play Ernestine Ashworth, who spends her 17th birthday agonizing over her insignificance in the universe. Soon enough, it's her 18th birthday, even sooner her 41st, her 70th, her 101st. Five generations, dozens of goldfish, an infinity of dreams, one cake baked over a century. What makes a lifetime into a life. Sounds interesting. Messing was last on Broadway in 2014 and outside Mollingar. While this is Hadel's Broadway debut, he's had a number of high-profile off-Broadway shows. Maybe some of you will have seen uh, them in the past. First, there was Mr. Marmalade in 2005 for Roundabout. Then Saturn Returns in 2008 for Lincoln Center. And just recently in 2016 with Smokefall for MCC. Now, actually, I'm not going to lie here. The description of this show makes it sound like the part of Ernestine Ashworth requires a lot of depth and nuance and technical ability. And with all due respect to Messing's next level scarf acting on Smash, she's (laughs) not exactly the actress that I would have thought to cast in this type of role. Yeah, uh, I'm actually one of maybe three theater fans who haven't seen Smash. Oh, Lord. Believe that. I know you've never seen Smash. I've never seen the producers. What's going on? See, what a team. No, but I've never seen her on stage. I'm a lifelong Will and Grace fan. I agree with you as far as does she have the depth and nuance for this role? And I haven't seen any of her dramatic roles for that matter. But has she had any? I you know, that's a good question. I don't I don't not really sure. There has to be something. Yeah, I mean right? I think I think she got fairly good reviews in Outside Mollingar yeah. uh, a few seasons ago, which I think is I didn't see it, although it's running right. down here in, in Orlando right now, actually. I think it's a funny-ish dramedy type thing, but um this is seems like a next level kind of assignment for her. Yeah, I mean bits her dramatic bits certainly shine through, even her, her comedic roles. I feel like I feel like she can do it. I'm I'm a little bit 
ambivalent about the show to begin with. It's I know even Heidel said it's close to Thornton Wilder's Long Christmas Dinner, only that that's probably better and shorter. His words, not mine. <laughs> and that's that's dropping in on Christmas dinners. This is dropping in technically on birthday dinners. It's vague enough description has kind of strangely piqued my curiosity, but I, I'm not I'm not quite sure about this as a choice yet. What, what was, all the way around? Yeah, what was the the Tracy Let's Play last summer off Broadway that had like uh, Tatiana Maslany and one of the Gummers in it, where it was like um, a woman's life through at different points in her life. Um, it it was I saw it, and I hear you typing, so hopefully you can get the name. Um, I saw it. I did not like it. I hope this is better. Yeah, I'm not. Um, sure. I'm not sure. Um, it had a bunch of M's in it. Uh, uh, Mary Page Marlowe. Oh, yes. Okay. Similar in that it was looking at different moments in this one woman's life, but in Mary Page Marlowe, like 27 different women played the lead character here. It sounds like Messing is just going to be the one chronicling this woman through her life, but um, it'll be interesting. So one of the first and biggest stories for yesterday was unfortunately another early closing notice. Yeah, we were talking about whether or not Deborah Messing was the type of actress that you'd expect for the type of role in Birthday Candles. Uh, she might not be it, but Laurie Metcalf is definitely the type of actress that you would see in mm -hmm. that role. But unfortunately, those skills and nuance and depth uh, wasn't enough to keep Hillary and Clinton afloat, as for the third week in a row, a Scott Rudin-produced play with a major star or two at the lead will be closing early. John Lithgow and Metcalf were supposed to play the former president and the should have been president through July 21st, but instead will now close this Sunday, June 23rd. Following King Lear and Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, this completes the unfortunate hat trick for Rudin, as all three of his spring shows have had to post early closing notices. Now, of course, he is the lead producer on To Kill a Mockingbird, and that's doing quite well. And he's a down-the-line producer on uh, The Ferryman, um, and that obviously won the Tony. But it's certainly surprising that in the whole spring season, someone as prolific and artistically savvy as Rudin didn't have a single show that not only was a hit, but couldn't even finish a run. Actually, James and I often lament the fact that we don't always love Rudin's business decisions. And he doesn't have the reputation for being the nicest guy in the world to work with. But that's all sure. that's all hearsay. But hmm. I, for one, I respect the work that he chooses to champion and bring to Broadway. And while none of these three shows that are closing early apparently clicked with audiences, I am glad that they at least had the opportunity, especially, especially Gary. Oh, for sure. I mean, Mockingbird and the Ferryman are definitely the outliers there. I think having Gary on Broadway, as weird as it may seem to some people, I, I, it is theater to its core, and it is an absolute risk for Scott Rudin to have taken, and I'm so glad he did. At King Lear, not as much of a risk, but you're still, you know, you're gender bending, you're, you're updating Sam it, you're Sam Golding all over the place, and you're... Yeah, you're kind of updating it, I guess. It's a little bit more on the nose politically, at least as far as its staging was. And it socks. <laughs> yes, those awful, awful socks. But no, uh, seeing 
Hillary and Clinton go is this was still it's still such a weird choice for me. I think I think people want to see overtly political shows, and, but I think once you start going as parochial as talking about Hillary Clinton, that wound is still pretty fresh, and people who treat theater as escapism don't seem to be like the people who are going to be lining up to see it. I don't know if this is a show that would have done better two years from now or two years ago. But that's that's the thing that interests me the most about this, Ashley, is that Mm -hmm. I see some comparisons and some connections between Hillary and Clinton and Hadestown. When I saw Hadestown, the the guy who was a very theatery person, um, I was sitting behind him and I was not like looking over his shoulder at his phone, but he was a little older and his font was very big on his phone. Um, (laughs) So I wasn't spying, but it was hard to miss. Um, At intermission, he texted somebody about the fact that the wall song was really on the nose. Uh, And I was like, yeah, but it was written a decade ago. Yeah. Everyone wants to say that. Yeah, for sure. Same thing with Hillary and Clinton. Now, obviously uh, Lucas Nath updated it, but this is a show that predates the 2016 election so while you mentioned that it does have a fresh wound when this play was originally constructed and originally performed that wound didn't yet exist so it 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 is interesting how shows that do have things that feel very prescient and very of the moment were written before the moment actually began um and and i'm very interested i i I am very interested to see to to think about as a thought exercise because it obviously can't happen how this show would have done if they would have continued it the way that hillary and clinton had always been done before broadway with an african-american or i guess not necessarily african-american or a black woman playing hillary um to even more distance itself from the actual events of real life so Mm -hmm. uh take that for what for what it's worth um but i i do think your point is is very appropriate no matter when this show was written it takes on a much different context in the world we're living in now for sure i think it needed to separate itself more than what it did and that's what we're left with unfortunately is an early closing notice so let's talk money. How did uh, Broadway's box offices do this past week? Well, the post Tony's grosses actually took a bit of a dip last week following the departure of King Lear, which didn't make a huge difference, but also after the in-residence run of Yanni, which did make a decent amount of, uh, of difference in the box office. In total, the Broadway receipts were down 2.67% or nearly $1 million. The main stem's 35 shows grossed a combined $34,493,610. 22 of the 35 shows, though, were in the week-to-week black, but with two fewer shows playing, the totals took a tumble. The two biggest declines, and the only ones in six figures last week, were for Pretty Woman, which plummeted down 161k to just $551,000, and Cursed Child, which dipped 150k, but is still doing absolutely fine, north of $1.5 million. The biggest riser was Hamilton, picking up th- uh, $312,000 following an Eduham week the previous uh, uh, seven days. But then there was the newly christened Tony winner for Best Play, The Ferryman, which gained 152000 to rise to seven hundred and seventy k. 
Beetlejuice, which had a very well-received number at the Tonys, was third, uh, was the third and final show to see a six-figure jump, moving up to nearly 924000 uh, However, King Kong was actually really close to seeing $100,000, as it was just a little over a thousand bucks short of that to come in at 99k to get all the way up to seven hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. so i guess some of the good stuff and some of the pub from the tony awards actually did have a fairly immediate impact now this may or may not be related at all ashley but yesterday king kong's producers also announced that they will be taking the show to shanghai in 2021 we already know uh, about a japanese theme park production opening next year i believe so (sighs) i you know i i wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the only announcement that we get from king kong in the next few weeks because while this week's bump is good they've still been struggling for most of their run and i kind of see this like a, a big budget movie that doesn't necessarily do well in the u.s but just rakes in the cash overseas like a like a fast and the furious the reason there's 127 of those is not because people in the u.s <laughs> are necessarily clamoring for them but they kill it overseas which i think is probably what they're going to do here but anyway so i i kind of think we'll see this announcing the end of a broadway run soon because if they've got two productions in asia coming up ashley mm-hmm. they don't want to make another they don't want to make another gorilla for those they want to use this one i am sure oh uh, absolutely that thing I is mean, one expensive ape that's that's exactly the thing like one there was no way they weren't going to hold their ground as long as possible and be they were going to try and tour or open a different production that's a very expensive 35 million dollar ape <laughs> Yeah, and I actually think I liked it a lot more than a lot of other people did, but I could see it doing well on some sort of tour. I don't know if there's a lot of touring houses that could hold it, but it'll be interesting to see. But anyway, let's quickly look at the other production winners from the Tonys. Town moved up $57,000 to a pretty impressive $1,282,518 in the pretty small Walter Kerr Theater. That's, that's really impressive. Uh, in fact, save Hamilton, because... Obvi, uh, Town had the highest average ticket price on Broadway last week, so uh, that's that's really uh, really good for them. In terms hey. of revivals, obviously the Boys in the Band is closed, so that didn't do much to move the needle in terms of box office for them. But Oklahoma also had a nice 54k jump to come in at six hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars at ninety-nine point three percent capacity and eighty-five point five percent of its gross potential. So good for them over at Circle on the Square. Now, real quick, let's run through the Millionaires Club. Hamilton was back on top with $3,184,710, followed by The Lion King at $2.3 million. Then we had To Kill a Mockingbird, Wicked, Ain't Too Proud, Aladdin, Cursed Child, Dear Evan Hansen, Town, Frozen, Tootsie, Phantom, Mean Girls, and then The Book of Mormon. As for the shows on the bubble, Ashley, we already had the three Rudin plays announced early closing, and then that kind of leaves us with Frankie and Johnny as another play that's really down at the bottom of the barrel, really struggling. It did break three hundred k this week, but just barely. Um, I guess it's not going to get the post reviews bump that I thought it would. Not mm. that the reviews were great, but I thought in the middle of Tony season that it would just be like, oh, hey, I forgot that Michael Shannon and Otter McDonald are doing a play together. We should go see sure. that. But clearly that's not going to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually had to post an early closing as well. Now, Be More Chill, despite internet rumors, has not yet announced closing. It did pick up $27,000 to come in at $416,560 bucks 
Waitress hit another all-time low at 466k. As I mentioned before, Pretty Woman fell precipitously. Beautiful had its third worst week ever at 561,000, and The Prom dipped a bit to 638,000. Now, honestly, Ashley, of all these musicals that I mentioned, King Kong, Be More Chill, Waitress, Pretty Woman, Beautiful, and The Prom, I would not be surprised if all of them announced closing in the next month or two announced that they're going to close labor day or maybe they announced super early and say they're going to close after the first of the year but i would expect an announcement to come for i mean i i could see i could see beautiful hanging on because i've long been a champion of beautiful having a weird grosses cycle where they actually pick up in the fall so i could see beautiful hanging on but the other ones i just don't see how they can continue with the grosses they've got yeah, all those shows that are pulling in less than 70 or 80% capacity, for sure. Be More Chill seems, in theory, like it's going to be the next one to go. But I'm curious, with school almost out and the summer coming, if they've seen any uptick in ticket sales coming in. The Share Show, I think, is also probably going to look closer at those summer numbers. Mm-hmm. Pretty Woman is likely at the end of its run. And I assume after Colleen's run, Waitress will be on its way out as well. Though I also kind of expect they might bring back Sarah Bareilles one more time if her yeah. touring schedule allows for it. Yeah, have her close it. Yeah, and King Kong, I'm also sure is trying to see how those summer months go, despite those Asia productions. Yeah, well. All right, well, let's move from those depressing talks of things closing. And I have two real <laughs> quick recommendations that I want to send out to everybody. The first is a video that might not be safe for work, Um, It is some highlights from Sunday night's annual Broadway Bears fundraiser. They actually had a record total of their fundraising for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. They brought in $2,006,192 between the fundraising that they did ahead of time and the two performances on Sunday night. If you want to see some very scantily clad Broadway dancers, uh, we'll have that link in there. Just be careful where you're watching it. The (laughs) other one... Ashley is very much not my thing, but apparently Mm. there were a ton of theater related folks who showed up in Taylor Swift's new music video. You need to calm down. There are folks like Adam Lambert, Billy Porter, um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Todrick Hall, Mm -hmm. um, RuPaul, Justin Makita, Jesse Tyler Ferguson's husband, um, Mm -hmm. a bunch of other people that it is a, song that is a pro lgbtq plus anthem sure Um, i taylor swift is not my thing um (laughs) but i think it's very interesting everybody seems to hate her for some reason unless you're like you're a diehard swifty like people were really mad about her not speaking out about things um especially during the last election and now that she is people are again mad at her so i can't keep up why we're mad at her but (laughs) Uh, if these people all feel compelled to be a part of this music video, it at least has their seal of approval, which I guess is enough for me because it's not really I like the, the drama around Taylor Swift isn't something that I know a lot about. Fair. No, I'm I'm very much on the fence about it. It's I'm not a Taylor Swift fan myself. And Anytime something LGBTQ plus comes out in June, I feel very much in the land of pandering. So 
I'm happy to see all these celebrities, Billy Porter, Todrick Hall, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, familiar faces that we all know in this music video, which is very campy. So I'm already here for that. But yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm not quite in the Swifty category. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, I'm sure you've got more for us. It was a busy Monday. What else oh was God. making the news? There was so much news on Monday. Okay, real yes. quick. Real quick. Um, first up, The Prom, even though we think it might be closing soon, announced that it will launch a national tour at the Providence, Rhode Island Providence Performing Arts Center all the way in February 2021. The exact dates and cities and cast will obviously be announced later. The only thing about that that disappoints me, actually, is that it's so far away. Like It's very far away. I'm a little disappointed, especially if it closes on Broadway. I'm uh, glad other- it's in Providence, though. Well, that's good for you, not for me. Um, <laughs> that's very far away for me. Uh, anyway, also yesterday, Uh, based solely on Ashley's fiery defense, the Atlantic Theater Company announced that The Secret Life of Bees would extend another week. It would now Mm -hmm. close on July 21st. Also on Monday, we learned that Jessica Vosk, Janet DeCall, Asmaret Gibber-Michelle, Julia Murney, Nick Westerate, and others will participate in public staged readings at this year's Eugene O'Neill Theater Center Summer Conference. DeCall, Gibber-Michelle, Murney, and Vosk will all be a part of the new musical Jeanette, by, uh, by book writer Laura Gun- Lauren Gunderson, who's a, one of the most produced playwrights in the country. And music and lyrics will be by Ari Aisha F. Sar. And it's about Janet Rankin, the first woman elected to Congress all the way back in 1916, three years before women were even allowed to vote. We'll definitely be talking about that one the more we hear of it. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, a lot of shows that get their start at the O'Neill end up in New York in some form or fashion. Uh, next up, Ashley, for some reason... Gary Busey, yes, that Gary Busey is going to be playing God in a new off-Broadway musical called Only Human from October 8th through January 5th. I will be shocked if that happens. It's Uh, definitely a choice. Yes, um, it'll be at the theater at St. Clement's. I've got nothing else to say for this. I'm not going to read you his quotes because I don't know that I can decipher them. But he has some quotes about playing God in the press release if you want to check that out in the show notes. (laughs) And finally, this is a very exciting press release for like – 1% of the Venn diagram of people in the world. And that is specifically where like Ellen Marie Marsh lives. Uh, But yesterday when the house guests were announced for the 21st season of big brother on CBS, a familiar face for Broadway fans was included as Tommy Bracco, most recently seen as the bellhop and pretty woman will be a part of the show. He was also one of the original newsies as well. So I guess he's going to seize the day and the $500,000 top prize there. I was just about to say, I hope he seizes that 500K. Yeah. Are you uh, are you part of that 1%? Do you, I, I do you get not. down with the big brother? <laughs> I am not. My brother does. My brother. My my little brother. My your, little brother does. Your uh, little brother, big brother. Yes. Uh, they do. I know. Um, I, I also know uh, Bryn O'Malley is a big um, big brother fan. So, oh, uh, so who knows? But anyway, if you'd like more information on this or any of the stories in today's show, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right. Thanks for spending part of your Tuesday with us. Have a great day. Ashley and I'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. Um, Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. I should really write (laughs) out an ending now. Yeah.